0: Welcome to the Build Business Acumen podcast, where we deliver practical knowledge and powerful guidance. Here is your futuristic host, Nathaniel Schula. Today I'm interviewing Mike Tobin, OBE, and he's actually the founder of the CEO Sleepout, which is a really great uh, great charitable event that happens uh, once a year in London. He's also an English industry entrepreneur, businessman, author, and philanthropist, he was the CEO of a FTSE 250 data center operator called TeleCity Group. In 2014, he was awarded an OBE for his services to the digital economy in the Queen's Birthday Honours list. And I've always really enjoyed talking with him. He's always been very, very generous with his time. And I've learned a lot from listening to him. And we're going we're gonna to delve into some really, really interesting topics today. And I think you will love this episode. Well, it's lovely to speak with you again, Mike. Thank you very much. Lovely to speak to you too. <laughs> so today we're going to talk. We're going to talk firstly about work-life balance. I know that's a really big topic for you, and yeah. you've got your kind of attitude towards it. It's more of an integration, isn't it, as far as, as far as you're concerned?
1: Yeah, it is. I, I think you know when when you look at people that have tried to balance, um, you know, let's call it work and life, and, and I, I think about immediately comes to mind. I think about the. Um, the great leaders of, of of recent times and and uh, people like um, Nelson Mandela was a great mentor um, to me and sort of inspiration to me and and yet he you know he was such a, a great leader um, in 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 his time in, in even before office but during office as well but at home he was a disaster and you know he, he's, he was divorced twice his kids were arguing over his his legacy before he was even. Passed away, and and I and I think you know that's a typical example about when 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 people are so focused on 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 success in a certain element of their life, they feel that they you know they, they just cannot they don't even have time for the other part, and you kind of wonder whether that's real success or not, you know, and and. Whilst it appears to be from the outside, because he, you know, he he changed the world to an extent, and you know, people like Clinton, they're you know, they're, they're also you know great leaders, but again, home life, you know, let's not talk about it. It's a mess, right? So, you know, I, th- I think when you try to balance, if you are truly, if you are truly sort of driven and truly sort of um, you know a a successful or, or aspiring successful person. You tend then to allow one of those two things to suffer, and I think there's a there's a different way, a way to get out of that. I think is rather than try to balance, rather than sort of say, well, I'm going to give 100% to this and then I'm going to stop and then I'm going to give 100% to that. You know, if you think about it as an integration, then then you shouldn't see a difference between work and life, right? You should it should all be the same thing, and then you can actually put 100% into it because it is the same thing you are actually putting 100% into a combined environment there's a, there's a couple of examples i mean you know, that, that, that i can i can give you but the, you know i talk about this a lot in my in, in my second book actually called live love work prosper which is all about how exactly how this how work life integration is, is the way forward um, but imagine I'll, I'll i'll just put it one specific way round in terms of in terms of um, male and female here, but it works either way but let's imagine that um, a woman's uh, a young young couple um, young family baby um, the, the woman's got a sort of a mid mid management role um, is one of several peers that's looking for the next step on the ladder, um, desperate for um, that one promotion place that's coming up soon so that the, you know the, the the family can can prosper and they can get the next house and so on and so forth um that evening um is uh is coming home a bit later that the husband gets home a bit earlier he's got bath time with the kid um and he says look you know tonight i really want to go out with the lads and we're going to have a drink and um i need you home on time um so please don't be late so the woman says yep yeah, fine okay she's leaving the office and the boss comes along and says Emergency. I've got this really big um, important report to do for tomorrow morning. First thing um, you need to get it done um, You know, no questions asked. This is really really important So then the pressures on right the pressures on um, the, the 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 executive um, the young young woman executive to to either decide between fulfilling her um, home commitment to getting home and, and taking over bath time so that the husband can go out or um, staying and doing the work or at least doing the work at home, um, which, you know, is, is sort of conducive to her, her career progression. So, so there's a, there's a conflict there between family and work immediately. Now, um, there was a report that a guy called Oliver James, who was a clinical psychologist, um, Uh, I interviewed for the book actually, but he 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 did a report and he made a study of middle management at some point a few years ago, and he said out of the uh, out of the people asked um, this question, seventy four percent of them uh, admitted to lying to their partners about working from uh, doing work at home. And I thought this was an incredible thing. And he said, basically, people were going into the bathroom, going into the toilet, and saying, "You know, oh, just I'll be out. I'll be out in a minute." But taking their phone in and doing emails because they were so up, so um, worried about being seen to be working at home when they told their partners they wouldn't, and then they'd end up lying to them about doing this. And this is, you know, it can't be a it can't be a good thing that you come home and you start lying to your partner, regardless of you know how how mundane or menial the 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 topic is. Cause then you go back into the office and then you say, Oh well, gosh, you know, all your peers are saying the same thing. That was really bad. And at the last minute we had to do all this report and work and how did, you know, we messed up all our plans at home. And suddenly you're lying to your partner, but you're endearing yourself to put to, to colleagues at work. And you know, we all, we all know the risks of, of, of office, office romance and everything else, but you know, that's a, that's a, that's a tricky slope. a slippery slope to get onto. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, well, then they're, they're all going to gather, aren't they, around the water cooler, and you know, yeah, it's uh, it's got to be a difficult one. I mean, working from homes, working from homes, tough anyway, you know. But it's it's very difficult for people in 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 work, especially if they want to achieve great things in in you know whatever career they're in. I mean, yeah. so so what would you what would you what would
1: you sort of recommend? You know, I mean, in, different- in that in that particular instance, right? You can come home and and then. You know, you go straight to the husband and go, <laughs> "Good Lord! And you know what's just happened to me? This this pain of a neck boss of mine. You know, look at the email he just sent me. Mm. You know, I don't know what to do now. I'm, you know, my choices are these. Our choices, our choices. You and me together, same side. Yeah. Our choices are these. One, I tell him we go and stick it, and I deliver my commitment to you, so you can go out. Um, it may mean that I don't get the, the promotion, and then that means that we probably don't get the 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 house that we wanted, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera um two i can say to him all right i'll do the work and then you can call your guys and say you're going to be 30 minutes late yeah right so now instead of it being um a kind of an, an an opposition at home right and you're siding with work against home now it's like them and us is is the home environment against the outside world and in you know you can you can imagine on that sort of situation where where the 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 guy in this case understands the two dynamics, you know, to be fair, we probably do need that promotion. So why don't you go ahead and do it and I'll find a solution with the lads. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's really a different, it's a really different approach, but, but it it kind of, it doesn't drive the wedge between work and life. It drives the, the, you know, it makes sure that, that, you know, there's more of a collegiate view of both of those things. And that's a simple example, but there are many other examples that, that, that are in the book.
0: Yeah, that, so- that sounds absolutely brilliant. It's, it's, it's very similar to business management, isn't it, really? It's, it's kind of like my dad used to, used to manage you know, quite a few people, and he would use the technique of sort of, he would know what the solution was to the problem, but he would sort of say, well, you know, we've, we've got a problem here. What, what do you think we should do?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And it, it, it's, a, it's a similar kind of thing, isn't it, I
1: suppose? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, if, if you, you know the difference between sort of leaders and, and managers today in, in business typically revolves around the fact that a, 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 true, a truly great leader would simply have the role of creating more leaders around them. So, so the difference being a manager will say, do this, do this, do this. Now, quite frankly, if you, if, if you employ the best people you can possibly find in each role, they're probably better than you at their role Hmm. and therefore why would you be telling them how to do it? So, so, you know, that the original, the sort of traditional view of a manager is like everyone, I'm going to tell everyone to do this and it's more sort of delegation. Well, there's a different way to delegate. There's a, there's a delegation of, of, um, of both responsibility and power rather than just responsibility. And you sort of say to people, well, look, you know, you know, what we're trying to achieve as an organization here, you know what we're trying to achieve as a team what do you think in your, in your capacity as the most informed, educated person within your, your, your space, what do you think is the best route forward? And then you're, you're giving, you know, you're sort of in, in, engaging with people in a familial way um, and saying, you know, as a team, as a, as a group here, we're gonna go forward and, and we co-depend on each other as opposed to, you know, you're all doing the stuff and I'm gonna get the glory.
0: Right yeah exactly and that's the whole point
1: of being in a team isn't it you know yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: and and you kind of think of you know these this this point which is uh, i think ralph nader was was one of the early the the early guys that kind of articulated leadership like this but but you know the only job you have as a leader is to create more leaders around you and then you know that begats this empowerment and my earlier book um, forget strategy get results is a kind of a it's a bit tongue in cheek but forget strategy get results really means don't don't apply so much of a prescriptive strategy to, to life and business but pre- prescribe a a vision and and the, the subtle difference between strategy and vision is that um, you know you, you can have a vision that is unwavering but how you achieve that vision can can change second by second minute by minute day by day because Stuff happens around us that, that doesn't necessarily conform to a prescriptive order of things. So, you know, um, Jean-Paul Sartre said, in football, everything is complicated by the presence of the opposite team, <laughs> right? And you, you can go, go with a great strategy and, you know, oh, we're going to go there and we're going to do this and you're going to cross the ball in from there. And But actually, unless you go and tell the other side in their changing room exactly your plans, they won't know your plans. Therefore, they're going to do something to mess them up. Right. Quite right. frustratingly, you know, the opposition, opposition always messes up your plans, right? And so, so having a, a, a sort of a prescriptive process of how to get from A to B, especially in this disruptive world that we live in today, is not ideal.
0: Yeah, agreed. It's,
1: you know, we, we have to have a vision and then have amazing people around us that are flexible enough to and adaptable enough to, to take all of the changes that are happening on a second-by-second a second live sort of basis and still flex to deliver that vision. And, you know, Darwin said, it's not the biggest or the fastest or the strongest or the, you know, that survive. It's the most adaptable that survive. Right, right. And this is ever more, you know, it, it, it was visionary for him to say it, but it's, and he was only looking back over, you know, tens of millions of years since, since um, Dinosaurs. But actually, it's as applicable today, even more applicable today, especially in business, than it ever has been before because of the disruptive technologies we have around us.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think there's, there's so much worry around this for, for employees and also for businesses, you know. And it's, it's, it's certainly worrying for quite a few people. But I think, you know, if, if you look at, the, look at the next few years, there, there are so many jobs that haven't even been created yet. There are so many sort of techno- technological advances that we haven't even really, you know, started embracing. And I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite enthused by the whole thing. I think that working hours should hopefully come down. I mean, they've promised us this since the first industrial revolution, haven't they?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you if you lived in France, they would be enforced going down. But I'm not sure that's necessarily a good thing either. And, <laughs> and, you know, but if but if we're if we're in an environment where we don't actually notice we're working. Let's put it that way, right? Yeah. If we, if, we, if we love, you know, footballers and, you know, sports people, they, they, they love what they do and they get paid for it. Yeah. You know, they're in a minority, obviously, across the globe. But, but you know, if we can, if we can aspire to, to finding a role that we love, then it doesn't feel like work when we do it. And therefore, you know, that allows us to, to integrate the concept of work and life much easier. Because you know, part of your life. I mean, you often find people saying, "You know, I could never retire because you know, I, w- I wouldn't. You know, I enjoy going to work and I enjoy the interaction and I enjoy, you know, chatting with my colleagues and you know all that sort of stuff." Well, that's because that becomes part of your life. Yeah. Right. And and if you take it away, you feel that your life is is lacking in something. Yeah. And so you see a lot of people just not wanting to 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 retire. You know. And that's okay because they've got they've got a great you know they've got a great uh you know situation where they can get paid to 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 live their life yeah
0: yeah so in terms of like outsourcing right i mean i was i because i'm because i'm you know i'm obsessed with this podcast but i've got i've got some other work that i'm working on at the moment and so I'm sort of looking at outsourcing. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna study outsourcing, and I'm gonna learn about how to make it work for me. So, so I listened to a listened to a podcast yesterday about it. I think it was like a Harvard Business Review, or you know, a Harvard something or other. I'm not yeah. that. I, I don't mind Harvard, but my dad went to MIT. This, so did my grandfather. So there's a bit of like rivalry, but <laughs> <laughs> so so. I listened to it and, and what they were saying was actually you should, you, should, you should kind of look at the things that you really hate doing. So, for example, I mean, we're talking about work-life balance, yeah, and that's what actually that particular podcast was about was, was sort of, you know, if you don't like doing the washing, you need to think about, I mean, all right, you don't want to put an hourly rate on your, on your, on your salary, but in your mind, if you, if you work for a company, there'll be an hourly rate in your head that you're earning. It might be a hundred pounds. It might be 50, it might be 20, it might be, you know, 500, a thousand, whatever. But that was what they sort of said in there. So it was like, then you can begin to think, well, right. What, what is going to make me happier? Yeah. Am I going to stay at home and do all the washing and, and cleaning and everything else? Or am I going to hire someone in on, the, on a, on a 10 pounds an hour or whatever to come in and and, and clean up my place? So that was kind of what that was about, and I found that quite interesting, actually.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely right. I mean, there's a there's a principle that I that I talk to people about when I do when I do my lectures. Um, it's 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 the love it, leave it, or change it principle. And if you if you don't like something or someone or some aspect of someone's attitude or some or whatever it is, right, you can apply this principle. So the what you can't do is continue to accept the status quo of not being happy about something, okay? That's a not, that's not, that's not an, an option because if you do that, you're actually disrespecting your own life um, because you're, you're just ruining it, right? But right. There, are, there are three options that you can you can then take an approach to that that issue with. You either learn to truly love it. In other words, you accept it 100%, not, not begrudgingly, you accept it. So, you know, with your, with your washing thing, uh, you know, you say, okay, well, I'm actually going to learn how to love doing the washing. I'm (laughs) going to make it into some game. I'm going to, you know, bring the kids in with it. And we're going to, we're going to throw each other the the clothes in a long line and they're going to go in and we make a fun thing out of it. Right. So you change it to something that you, that becomes enjoyable. If you can't do that, which sometimes you can't with relationships, sometimes it doesn't work, or, or, or uh, and so on and so forth. Then um, you try to change it. So, as you say, you know, if you look at your hourly rate, and there could be someone else that you can employ um, to come in and do your washing, or there could you know, you, we, we have a guy come around and pick up our dry cleaning on, on a regular basis. So, you know, that's kind of the same thing, we're, we're outsourcing it. Yeah. yeah we're changing the dynamic we're not doing it anymore someone else is and therefore i don't have that dislike again
0: yeah yeah that's pr- that's pretty much what what that was what that was what that episode was saying actually yeah.
1: um well, then there's yeah. a third thing right because that's not always easy um you know you, maybe you can't change a person right mm. mm-hmm. so if you can't learn to love it and you can't change it then the option is leave it right so you walk away you stop doing it in the case of washing clothes well you know you if you if you've tried to do all the other things and you're still not happy, then then let's not wash any clothes. Let's buy really cheap stuff and just constantly buy new ones. And <laughs> never have to wash again. Um, but but you know, in terms of people, you need to walk away from them. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because because if you've tried to learn to accept that dynamic and that hasn't worked, and you've tried to change that dynamic and that hasn't worked, the option is walk away or sit there constantly being unhappy. Yeah. I like said that's not acceptable in life. Yeah you're wasting your life on that basis. Agreed. Agreed. So,
0: excuse me. So stress management, right? I mean, this, this, this all causes stress, doesn't it? Like if something is out of, I mean, yeah, there are many reasons you can have stress in life, right? I mean, there are personal reasons, health reasons, financial work, you know, fulfillment, exercise, whatever. But like, it's so closely related, isn't it? That it's 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 super interesting. Work-life balance and stress management, but one can cause the other, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, so so well. Stress stress is is something that um, you know. If if we if we change the word to worry for a minute, okay, right? and it, you think of why we worry about stuff. We don't worry about the past generally. We we actually worry about the future. We don't even worry about the present because we're in it. We worry about the future, yeah. and and we tend to over engineer scenario that that the future might bring, and that adds to our worry because there's there's the uncertainty of which future there will be as well yeah, yeah. and worry is like is like paying interest on a debt you haven't drawn down right. It's, because you 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 you're chewing away you're gnawing away and your stress level goes up and all this sort of stuff but actually when you look at the future there's only two two things right so again if you if you ignore the fact of doing nothing then there's either something you can do to positively influence the future or there's nothing you can do to positively influence the future if there's something you can do then you should go ahead and do it. Not worry about things, but go ahead and do it to positively change the future outcome. Right? And if there's nothing you can do, then don't worry about it either because there's nothing you can do. Right. Right? So, so the concept of worry, right, is a completely outdated nonsense. And we either, we either have to be in a zone, a frame of mind to say, I'm going to deal, positively influence it, or there's nothing I can do to positively influence it. Either way, Worrying is not a solution. Yeah. Yeah. Why would we stress? uh, Why would we stress about dying? Well, you're going to die. I mean, (laughs) we're all going to die. We're all going to die. Right. So, so why why should we stress about it? Now, people stress about that. They, you know, they're worried about dying. Well, you can you can do something to positively um, influence the future. In other words, you can do things that will prolong your life but you can't stop death coming. So don't worry about the death bit. Focus on the positives of trying to extend the life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So when people, all right, so they got to start there, right? And say, well, is this something that I can do something about or is it not? Yeah. Correct. And, and if they can do something about it, then they've got to do it. Right. because, the problem the problem exists also certainly for me is if i know i need to do something that's going to help my life and i sit there and i'm like well i really should do this and then i just write it down and like forget about it and then i might come back to it the next day and go oh i really must do that it's really stressing me out and then i can get on with it but some people they will they will just ignore it won't they and let it eat away at them until it sort of gets on top of them and then they get stressed out of their minds and and like have to go out and get fresh
1: air because they're out of their heads, you know, on, on on the worry. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's a there's a lot of a lot of people that I know, you know, would rather do the ostrich um, strategy, right, which is yeah. stick head in the sand and, and wait for it to go away. Yeah. but it doesn't go away. No. Um. Well, it rarely does. Um. And so, you know, doing nothing is a strategy, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, that that is an option. Um. If <laughs> if, you, if you understand. <laughs> what you're doing with, by doing nothing. Right. Yeah. So, for example, if there's a deadline and you, and you're, you're in a negotiation and you, you're conscious of that doing nothing is, is an option is one of the strategy that you're adopting for your, for your negotiation. And mm. then, then that, that, you know, that's a conscious decision to do nothing. Right. But doing nothing in the hope that, that the, the outcome will change is, 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 is not an option. So, so, you know, what i do is is when i when i need to do something and it goes a couple of days and and there's you know i i tend to put it into my diary as a as a meeting yes so so once it's in the diary as a meeting i i know i've got that window of time to to actually do it so so you know other things you know life gets 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 ahead of us and and stops us doing things otherwise right so you've got to put it in there as if you've blocked the time to to go and do this particular thing is just as if it was someone coming in and, and wanting a meeting with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I've just done that. I've literally started doing that, and 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 it takes away the worry and the stress. I was I was talking to someone. Um, he runs a online learning company called Lessonly, and okay. he was sort of talking about the creative side of the brain versus the oh, I don't know the the more sort of task orientated part of the brain and how the stress can kind of happen because you haven't actually dealt with it so it's like you'll think about something that you really got to do like what we're saying and if you put it the moment you put it in the diary and say well it's okay don't worry i think is it the left side of the brain or the right i forgot i I don't know i don't don't know i think that's (laughs) preposterous anyway because i don't think that's actually real (laughs) um you know there are all these people that talk about all sorts of things and they and they don't really know what on earth they're on about but it it just (laughs) It, well, it gives you some sort of a relief once you say to yourself, "Okay, I really need to deal with this," or something really bad's going to happen, and you and you put it, or or something, you know, not really bad, but something bad which is going to affect your life in the future. So it becomes
1: really important. So you've got to schedule it. You? You've got to put it in there. Yeah, yeah, and and I think I think that's it's another way of, of of taking that stress out because you know you know you have to deal with it, and you're sort of thinking, "Oh well, you know." I, I meant to do it this morning I'm, and I should have really done it then. I should have really. So, so sticking it, it as a, in, in the diary as a, as, a, as a specific action or a meeting, what it does is it takes, you're allowed then to remove it from your from your sort of thought list, right? right. So you know it's in the diary. It, you're not going to forget it. And you know you've got, you've got the time allocated to it to resolve, the, to, to deal with that issue. So your mind immediately frees it up right so when I when I have things you know if I if I've if I've got a, a list of things to do and I and some of it is delegation to certain people once I delegate that it's gone out of my mind and one of the things I, I look for when I when I um, recruit people is people I trust much more than than people with skill sets yeah. um, I can train a skill set but trust is a difficult thing right so so what I what I do is I i i I make sure that if I tell someone, I have the complete trust in them, that they're going, either going to go off and do what we've, we've agreed, or they're going to come back to me at some point and say, I have not been able to do what we've agreed. So it comes back on my list, if you know what right. I mean. Right. But what I can't take is, if, if, I, if we agree that someone's going to do something, it comes off my list, it's gone out of my mental state, and they don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so then, then, then I, then both of us have got it out you know, then, then we're, we're sort of double counting the, 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 uh, the, 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 the value of that task. Now. And, and that's not like, that can't work for me. Right. So, so I'd rather have someone with no skills that I yeah. can train than someone, than, than someone that I can't rely on to actually just, just do that small thing of, of following through or telling me they can't follow through. Yeah. Yeah
0: hundred percent agree. So really we've actually separated this out because a lot of people come from at the other angle. They'll say, well, get up earlier, do some exercise, eat the right food, meditate and all this. But actually that is deferring the problem, isn't it? In many cases, or putting you in the right mindset to deal with the problem. Yeah,
1: it might. It's certainly, you know, all those things I think would help your mindset, right? I mean, you know, cleaner, healthier sort of living mind is, is always good. Yeah, um, but it but unless you actually know how to deal with issues, it's giving you a. It's it's almost like putting glasses on a on a on a short-sighted person. So now he can see the problem, but unless he deals with the problem, there's still going to be a problem in front of him. It's going to be clearer. Yeah, it's
0: so yeah. a problem. Right. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of like just using feel-good hormones to to delay handling what you need to deal with, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe we can use those feel good hormones to sort of put us in a better frame of mind of saying exactly what we spoke about earlier on, which is I'm either going to do something to positively influence the, the future, which means that my likelihood of, of a negative re- result is lower, or mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do to, to achieve that, in which case, don't worry about it either. And, and, that, and the feel good hormones should allow us to get to that clarity
0: quicker. Yeah. It reminds me of your story when you put all these executives in the in the in the in the sea with a load of sharks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it certainly made them think clearer about um you know about the issue. I mean, so, so that was a, you know, I I was talking to my management team for some time about about um, merging with a with a with a big competitor of ours, and and all the management team could see was the negatives of that. They would see. You know, you know, synergies means well. You know, two people, one job going forward. So I'm going to lose my job, or, or you know, I'm I'm going to be subservient to someone else coming in. You know, why? How? Why are we doing this? And, 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 and it was it's driven by fear, right? Mm-hmm. And so I took them shark diving with no cages, no nets, and they didn't realize they were doing it until literally the moment I asked them to put their wetsuits on and get in the water. So. Afterwards, the debrief was, you know, how did you feel when you realized what you were about to do? And they, they said, oh, my God, I hate you. And, you know, I can't believe you're making me do this. And I'm terrified and all this sort of stuff. And fear was the overriding dynamic coming out. And I said, well, OK, how did you feel when you were actually in there? And these sharks were literally, you know, a, yard, a foot away from you. Um, and they were like 15, 20 foot sharks. And, and they said, well, I was still absolutely petrified, but it was kind of exciting as well. And then I said, how did you feel when you got out? And they said, oh, you know, life-changing experience. Definitely don't want to do it again, but it's one of these things that I can tell my grandkids and, and things like that. So I said, well, you know, every time you, you fear the future, think about the, that process. Well, first of all, your, un, your, your fear is unreasonable, typically, because you over-exaggerate the, the, the outcome risk, which in that case was being eaten, which didn't happen. The second thing is when you're going through whatever the challenging thing is, you're probably going to find it at least interesting, if, if not exciting, and when you come out of it, you're going to be a better person. You're going to have learned something about yourself and about the situation, and you're going, to, you're going to be a better person for it. So, you know, if you approach every challenging situation with that kind of mentality, then then you'll get through it. You know, these things are very, it's rare that if we're worrying about something that much that we can sidestep it. Yeah. So, you know, getting through it is the key. And you know, Churchill used to say, "When you're going through hell, the worst thing you want to do is stop. So, the best thing you can do is just keep going." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah,
0: yeah. I remember that one. That's a really good one. I love Churchill. He 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 was just amazing. So, yes. so onto the onto the next uh, the next topic. Commercial awareness, Mike. I know you know so much about this because you've 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 been you're involved with so many different businesses. So what what what's I mean
1: how do you start with commercial awareness? I mean we all know about like the SWOT analysis. Is that where you would start? Depends on on, on the situation really. But I mean, you know, again, if, if if we try to sort of link this to to sort of a work-life integration, then you know, a lot of a lot of life. Is is about trying to create win wins between between different entities, different parties, different people. And mm-hmm. so, what you're not looking to do is you're not looking to you know win at the pulverization cost of the of the person or or the, or the entity in front of you. You're trying to say you know how do we how do we both collaborate to to make both of our worlds better, okay? And that could be a marriage or it could be a business transaction. And if, if the business transaction is good enough, then you know, someone with a, with, a, with a need hooks up with someone with a product or a solution, and, and together they, they create value, right? And so, you know, what, what sort of commercial awareness for me is, is, is you know, the, the, the literal translation of entrepreneur is a between taker, okay, in French. Okay. So between take. So in other words, it's someone that links someone with a need and someone with a solution together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and this, is, this is what commercial awareness is. It's trying to spot needs and trying to spot value. And, you know, if you look at technology today, we've got more technology than, than we know what to do with. Yeah. What's missing is the creativity of application. So, so where, where the real value proposition comes in is, is not in the technology itself. It's not inventing stuff per se. It's finding solutions for the inventions, finding solutions for the technology that are, that are really, really useful. I have a business that I'm chairman of called Ultra Haptics, which is a stunning technology. It's, it's about um, the sensation of touch using ultrasound in midair, right? Yeah. And, and the technology is unbelievable. I mean, you can feel things in midair that aren't there. Okay it's real sort of minority report style, but the applications are much harder to sort of perceive, right You say okay, well, what would you use that for and And of course, there are many, many applications for this. For example, um, there's a large uh, car manufacturer that by the end of this year will have um, all of one particular um, uh, model of their cars. With no buttons in them, and you 'd have a heads up display in front of you, and you put your hand out and the button comes to you and you feel the button in your hand and you can turn things up and you can turn things down by moving your hand around and If you go over a bump, the button stays in your hand because it's actually following your hand, and the button you feel isn't actually there. Oh wow so, you know these are, these are sort of applications that, that are that are incredibly innovative and of course are so logical when you when you listen to the application, but the technology was there before the application came about so the technology per se is a great thing but it's completely useless in a commercial term until you link it with with an application right
0: so it's basically just using your imagination or your 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 understanding of the market and the other solutions and what they can connect with what they can't connect with and then coming up with something that is going to help people right i mean we've got to solve problems haven't we
1: yeah, and I think that's it. It's, it's having, having a good eye for problems, having a good eye. And, and one of the challenges of today's world for um, our generation, right, you and my generation, yeah. as opposed to millennial stroke generation X, is, is we've grown up with the history of technology telling us that the way to progress is how do I, if I find a problem, how do I make that easier, faster, cheaper more efficient and and nowadays technology has the ability of saying well how do i not need to do that again right right and this is what we refer to as disruptive technology because instead of the efficiency process that it, that technology has has driven since the beginning of time you know the first the first farmer was was dragging his own you know he was he was troweling to plant seeds then he then he was digging furrows with a kind of a um a plow but he was pushing it by hand then he decided to stick a, a, an ox in front of it and then then tractors came along and so on and so forth right and then combine you know so so all of this thing but it's all about efficiency 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 of doing the same thing much much faster easier better cheaper yeah. but nowadays it's like well is there a way i just don't need to do that yeah and i think this is the change in in the way that. And, and it's only going to get more disruptive in, this, in, in the way that people think about it, because the speed of change of technology is going faster. And so, so you know, this disruptive environment, I mean, Uber was a very disruptive environment to, 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 taxi, to the taxi industry. But, you know, a lot, of, a lot of Uber drivers are going to be out of a job very soon because of driverless cars. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, that, that was a, a massively disruptive industry, but that probably won't last that long in the great scheme of things. Right. But, you know, and hackney carriages have been going on since the, the 19th century. So, you know, <laughs> it took that long for that to, 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 to get disrupted, but actually it probably only take five years, seven years for the next one to get disrupted and probably two years for the following. So I think, you know, when, when we're looking at these, these kind of ways of thinking about solutions, you know, we've got to be sensitive to, and this comes back to sort of commercial awareness. We've got to be sensitive to, um, that the, the power of technology allowing us to think about um, a difference between you know are we are we are we thinking about that the old way of, of improving engine, you know efficiency are we thinking about the new way of saying let's just disrupt this completely upside down and not worry about doing that again
0: that's that's really interesting I've never thought about it like that yeah wow it doesn't take a lot to shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. So, so in, the next, in the next sort of few years, you, you, you probably, yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like we share the same view, that there's just so much coming at us. It's almost like you need, you need more awareness of what's going on, but, but actually keeping up with, with what's going on is
1: almost a full-time job in itself. It is. I mean, you know, you you've almost got to kind of look at things and go, you know what, I'm gonna have a bunch of people do that for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it it's it's super important that that um that that you have a uh, that you have a team around you and, and, and I think this is why this is why diversity is extremely important, right? Because you know the, the real reason for diversity is is a positive reason. You know, when we look at, you know, what's going on in the world in terms of employing a broad spectrum of ages, races, um, genders, one of the real values of this is that the consumer dynamic is also that portfolio, right? And, and we, we need people around us that are in tune with a way of looking at things that isn't necessarily siloed to our own experiences. I mean, we're all, we're all prejudiced to an extent. Right? and I'll use that word very specifically, we're prejudice. Yeah, we are. We're yeah. biased, right? So, and our bias comes from our gut feeling of, of what's happened to us over our lives. So, you know, if you're walking down the street and a bunch of hoodie, hooded um, youths are walking towards you in a very sort of dodgy gait, and it's sort of sunset, and you probably think to yourself, oh, my gut feeling tells me I should probably cross the road here. And, and, and yet you don't know them from Adam, and they've not done anything wrong to you. So why would you take that, that approach? Well, there's something in your, in your, in your sort of education, educated DNA that tells you now, you know, th- what, what we have to be careful of is, is illogical bias, right? right? But actually, you know, our, our, our background also tells us that, you know, we have a, a portfolio, a diverse group of people has a more rounded view than a, than a single person. hmm and so when we're, when we're looking at businesses, you know, that, that, that ability to gather, garner together a team which is very diverse, is it's so important to get different views of the same, the same reality and get different views of the outside opportunity?
0: Oh, yeah, very much so. But I think it's, it's actually quite difficult to find people who are in, in, in minorities, uh, certainly within, you know, I mean, I'm working with, with, with an influencer project at the moment, and it's very difficult to find sort of outwardly spoken females, for example. Yeah. Right. And the proportion, I mean, I looked at the proportion of the world's billionaires and and I looked at the list of the top 100 billionaires and I looked at this list and I tell you what, I reckon I could probably count the females on there in one hand out of 100. And I was like, wow. And I wonder what that's going to look like in the next 20, 30 years and if that is going to change or is it not? I mean... I don't know. I don't know, Mike.
1: Well, you know, I, I think that. Um, so again, something that I, I talk about in the book is, is you know, I, I'm sure that it will change. That that the you know there'll be more and more um, billionaires, or, or or the the, the wealth of, of of women will increase relative yeah. to men. I'm sure that will happen, um, and it's appropriate that it does. Um, but I wonder. You know, so so again, Oliver James was was said something very interesting when I interviewed him, and he said, and it's quite controversial. But he said, um, you know, is it is it is it that we're getting a more balanced world, or are women becoming more like men in business? Hmm. Which I'm not sure is the best solution, because I'm not sure that men actually are are ideal sort of in their own right. I mean, if you, if you, if you look at the, the, the scarcity of, of women leaders in, in the world, you, you know, that's probably a good reason why, why the world is still at conflict everywhere. I think if, if there were more women leaders, I would, I would imagine that the world would be a better place um, to live in. And, and so, you know, if we're driving women to be more like men in business, I wonder if that's the right way around. And, and, And maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's a little controversial, but um. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's it's worth us sort of reflecting on on whether we're making tougher women out of, out of business women than than having you know a, a real compassionate value, which is what what I think they bring to the table on any board is is a is a very different sort of compassion that than than men can. I'd hate to see that that disappear, sort of thing.
0: I know what you mean. Looking at the um, the the CEO of IBM, like Ginny, she's a, she's a, she's amazing. Like. She just, her whole presence and like, you know, what she's done there is quite amazing. But it's very, it's very, it's very weird to see, you know, very strong women in business because it's almost like they have to, they have to be even, even more tough than, 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 than men. Is that what you're, is that what you're sort of saying?
1: I think so. Yeah. I think that's the, I think that's the, that's the thing. Um, You know, that's what I, I would like to try to avoid, I guess. And I don't know whether that's a, a short term thing that has to happen. You know, sometimes, you know, when we go through a sort of a, a process of, of trying to get from the pendulum dragged up one all the way up one side, you know, it's very hard to get that pendulum to swing down and stop in the middle. It usually sort of swings the other way first. Right. Before it settles in the middle. Right. And maybe we're in that, you know, that that secondary swing of the pendulum. Yeah. Um, that is an inevitability before we, we, we get a balanced view of life. And, and I don't know whether that makes sense, you know, but I, I, I'm a great believer in, in most things in life being, being in this pendulum. So, you know, if you, if you have things too out of kilter one way, it's highly unlikely they go back to the middle right. uh, when you address them because the effort needed to address them is so great that you get a reverse swing first mm-hmm. um, before, before the balance comes through makes a lot of sense so
0: yeah and also I mean it's about having having the right number of people involved in whatever whatever commercially aware kind of research you're doing and actually just crunching the numbers in the right way as well you know I mean I was talking to my dad about representative samples the other day and I think he got hired like this was 20 years ago he got hired by some government organization that will remain nameless to do some sort of I don't know. He did a workshop, and he went in and he explained to them about this, you know, representative sample. And it turned out that the research that they'd done was completely skewed because they actually didn't allow for the number of variables. So, uh, from what he from what he explained, it's having a thousand people from one particular uh, with one particular variable, right? So yeah. this 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 organisation, they'd only actually had one thousand people, but they had four variables. So they should have had a sample of four thousand instead of one thousand. Right. So, and he told them in this workshop, and they didn't invite him back again. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but it's like you you can't you can't hide away from the facts, right? You
1: know. Yeah. Exactly. exactly.
0: <laughs> well, Mike, it's been a real pleasure. I want to thank you so much and. I will, I will, um, I'll let you know when this is live. So, so where do people find your book, Mike?
1: So my book is on Amazon. Both books are on Amazon. It's on Kindle version, audio book. First one is Forget Strategy, Get Results. It's a a little bit of a, an alternative view on leadership. And the second one is Live, Love, Work, Prosper, which is kind of a fresh, a fresh approach to um, integrating life and work as opposed to trying to find a balance. Super super
0: well thank you it's been it's been enlightening
1: my pleasure my pleasure now thanks
0: so much for listening please subscribe and wherever you prefer share with your friends and if you enjoyed the show drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen